If you would, open up your Bible and join us. We're in Malachi this morning, chapter 3. If your Bible looks like mine, it's approximately that far into it. Um, And it is not, if you've been following along, it is not the reading that we were supposed to be reading today. That was in 2 Kings. Um, But because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, we're going to miss a Sunday of the season of Advent, which is the season of preparing, as Wendy prayed, for the coming of Jesus on Christmas, and we don't want to miss a day uh, of Advent, and I figure if Walmart can start selling Christmas trees in July, St. John's can start Advent this Sunday. So um, we're going to start in Malachi, and Malachi is actually a little further along than the next two Sundays, so we've been following the Bible chronologically since September, but we're going to do a little bit of a Star Wars thing, where we're going to go into the future, and then we're going to go back, and Malachi Malachi is going to talk to a people who have been desperately waiting in all of the things that we do when we wait, which is fitting for us as we wait, not just for the celebration of Jesus coming to us on Christmas, but for his promised return. And so open up your Bibles, join us in Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And as we think about waiting, and as you open that up, just show of hands, how many of you like waiting? Anybody? Nobody. I had one person raise their hand at the 8.30 service, but it was to tell me they really don't like waiting. It was more of a hand like this instead of a hand like that. And yet, if you think about waiting, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I, first of all, nobody likes getting stuck behind a slow driver. Did anybody get stuck behind a slow driver or a plow truck this morning? We were having some conversations between the services. I know a couple of you did. Fast food restaurants are a dime a dozen because when you're hungry, nobody wants to wait to eat, and yet at the same time, it's instinctive that we all know good things come to those who wait. See, we we know this. Uh, A couple of years ago, I read an article. It was about a former employee of one of those popular food chains. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, um, but they're known for their bread. (laughs) Anyway, okay, some of you are laughing. Um, So this disgruntled employee, he was upset. He no longer worked for this this. Um, restaurant establishment. And so he took a video before he had been fired or quit or whatever of how they make their famous macaroni and cheese. And he posted the video on social media. And the way that they make it is it comes in this frozen bag where they drop it into a boiling pot of water and it instantly is cooked and they open. Some of you are nodding because you've either seen the video or you've worked at this establishment. And so, so they pull out the bag and now it's instantly cooked. They open it up, they pour it in the bowl and there you go, you've got your macaroni and cheese. And so they post this on social media. You can imagine what happens on social media, right? People freaked out. They said, how dare they not make their famous macaroni and cheese fresh every single day? single time I order it. And then you had other voices of reason that said, if they're giving it to you instantly, what do you expect? Me like going to McDonald's and thinking that they're actually slaughtering the cow before they make your cheeseburger. Like, like you kind of know what you're getting into when you go there. And you know that when it comes to waiting, it's one of those things that it's more of a tension that we've got to manage in lots of areas of our life. And I use that phrase, comes from a pastor, his name's Andy Stanley. He used it in a leadership talk, and I've shared it several times. He said this, in leadership, there's always problems to be solved and tensions to be managed. When you try to solve a tension, you create 
a problem. And I don't think this is just for leadership. I think this is for life as well. If, if your problem is hunger, then you, you've got to eat, right? That's, that's the way to solve it. And yet, we also have to balance the tension of being people that are so busy that sometimes we have time to spend in the kitchen making that home-cooked, fresh, healthy meal. And other times... We don't, and so we've got to eat that cheeseburger at McDonald's. And the issue, as Pastor Stanley rightly states, is when we get problems and tensions confused. For example, what happens if you see the slow driver in front of you as a problem to be solved? You tap their bumper. <laughs> or maybe you don't tap their bumper, but you share, you share a, a certain hand gesture so they know how you are not happy with them in this particular moment. Or maybe you don't do any of that, but your blood pressure boils as long as they are driving under the speed limit. Now, hear me, I don't like waiting any more than anybody else does, but I would also say that God seems to do some of his best work in the tensions. Have you, have you seen this? God seems to do some of his best work in the tensions. Have you ever gotten stuck behind a slow driver only to realize miles down the road that there was an accident and suddenly your perspective changes? You're thankful that it wasn't you in the midst of that, that things you thought were important were suddenly less important? It's, it's often in those moments when we're waiting like the season of Advent we find ourselves in, where we have the perspective that we are part of a bigger plan, that there's more going on in our world and the world than meets the eye, more than we can see. And that's what's bringing us to the reading that we're studying today. As I said before, it's a bit of a bridge, a bit of a jump from where we were last week and even from where we're going to go back to next week. But we're entering this season in the church called Advent. And it's a continuation of what we started all the way back in September. We've been taking this journey through the Bible. And we learned in the very beginning in Genesis that as God created everything and God created everyone, he created us with the intention of being present in the midst of his creation and being present with us, the crown of his creation, those who have been made in his likeness and image. And from the very beginning, we are the ones that have broken that presence by breaking the relationship that we have with God and with one another. It's the definition of sin. And ever since that time, God's overarching plan has been to bring people back into this literal present relationship that he intended for us to have with him from the beginning. And so what did he do? If you missed everything, I'll give it to you in 30 seconds. He promised he would do this through a nation, the ancient nation of Israel. And if you haven't caught yet, it didn't happen overnight. They had to wait. And the waiting was just as painful for them as it is for us. And they did a lot of the same things you and I do, and we're impatiently waiting for something. They complained. They grabbed hold of cheap and fast substitutes. They took uh, matters into their own hands and made things even worse. And it's those circumstances we find ourselves in as we meet Malachi. Malachi is a prophet, and his name literally in Hebrew means the messenger, and that comes in part from the first verse of our reading in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1. If you have your Bible open in front of you, take a look with me. These are the Lord's words. The Lord says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. 
Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, that promise that God made at the very beginning, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. God says, I will send my messenger to tell you I'm coming. And I think about waiting, and I think it's really half the battle in waiting to just know that the end is near, right? That help is on the way, that something's coming. I was thinking about this this week. Our, our son Evan, he, he, he really hurt his finger. He didn't break it, but we weren't sure if he broke it. Um, he was playing basketball. He, he, broke, or he hurt it in a basketball practice. We told him you can only break bones in games. You got to make it worth it. And so thankfully it was just a bad sprain, but we didn't know that. And so, so Alyssa took him to urgent care. And I was thinking about this passage in this sermon, and I was thinking about how urgent care, not that long, Long ago, you remember back in the day you had to sit in the waiting area and just wait for them to call your name? And now they've got the monitor on the wall. And it tells you that your name is getting closer and closer and closer. Now, nothing's changed in the backside, but it makes us on the outside feel better to know that they haven't forgotten us, that help is on the way, that we are going to be coming in soon. And so God promises to send a messenger, to say the same thing. I am coming. He's saying it to a people that have been desperately waiting for him to answer them for longer than you and I can even imagine. Generations they've been waiting. And yet with this promise, these people are still going to have to wait 400 years before ultimately it comes true in the coming of Jesus. And when you see what comes true in the coming of Jesus, you'll see why they were called to wait. But, but if we back up at this point, we're past the beginning, right? We're past Exodus, we're past Moses, we're past the kings, David and Solomon and the temple in Jerusalem. We're past the ancient nation of Israel even being torn apart by civil war. Bill talked about that last week and we've been talking about that for the last several weeks. And what we were intending to study today was toward the end of 2 Kings where there was this glimmer of hope for the southern kingdom. This really young king by the name of Josiah uh, was, was, was brought into leadership over God's people and he brought God's law and he brought God's presence and his purposes back into focus for God's people. But I'll, I'll skip that sermon and tell you that it didn't last. If you picked up on anything from this series, it's that it would never last. They would figure it out and they would fall away again. They would figure it out and they would fall away again. And in this case, it was less than two centuries later. They got taken over by enemy nations. Their temple was destroyed, they were ripped from their homes. And this book, Malachi's words, was written to a group of them that have just recently returned back to the shambles that is their capital city, Jerusalem. Now in this series, we don't have time to talk about many of the different prophets who spoke at this time. Prophets like Haggai and Zechariah who brought the message to rebuild the temple the prophet Ezra, who brought back worship and moral living. The prophet Nehemiah, who rebuilt the walls of the city and brought them back to being committed to taking care of the poor in their midst. They tried to rebuild everything that had been lost. And yet, after everything that happened over generations, these people were still restless even as they were rebuilding everything. And you can understand why. If their promise at the beginning 
was not only that God would deliver them, but that God would set them apart, would bless them to bless the world. They still haven't seen that fully come to fruition. And it was a long time ago now, generations ago, that God had spoken those words. And they're feeling beat down. It's like the difference between when, when you're young in life and you start out wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and somebody who's been beaten down by the challenges of life. Think about, for you, what was, the, what was the season in your life that felt like it had the greatest potential? Maybe it was when you got your driver's license or you got your first car or you graduated high school or college. Maybe it's when you got your first place, you lived on your own or your first full-time job, or you got married, or you bought a house, or, or you had your first child. I mean, there's so many ways we see promise and potential early in life. But then we go through stuff. And I'm, I've been here almost 13 years. I know some of you have been through stuff. You know I've been through stuff. We lose a job. We realize life is expensive. We, we get divorced. We fight cancer. And even when we beat it, we're in remission, but we realize that our perspective has changed and nothing is ever going to be the same. Friends, this is the point that Malachi is speaking into. These people are no longer wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. They are exhausted and beaten down by life. And so at this point in history, yes, they're back home and they're rebuilding everything, but it's not the same. And it's the very first question that they ask in chapter one or chapter yeah, in chapter one, verse two, if you go back, I have loved you, says the Lord, but how have you loved us? How have you loved us? They're asking. In the midst of their trials and their pains, as they've been waiting for the future God has promised, and as they have gone through the pain of waiting, they're wondering as they wait, does God even care about me anymore? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been there? Because I know I've been there too. And there's two ways you can look at their attitude if you know any of the history here. One is you can look down your nose at them and say, look at what God has done, right? Look at their back in Jerusalem. Can't they just be thankful for what they have? They're back in their town and with their people. How can they possibly wonder if God still loves them? We talked on Wednesday, if you were at the Thanksgiving Eve service, how you can't force gratitude. And those of you who have had to wait, you know that life is rarely that simple. As you wait for God to redeem you in whatever way you're still waiting for a redemption, and if you experience pain and loss in the process of waiting, you know that it's not easy. And those of us who gather in God's house in this season of waiting, we do so because we want to desperately experience God's comfort and presence in the waiting. And so the message that, that God communicates today through Malachi and that he has been communicating since the very beginning of time and that he will continue to communicate until Christ's triumphant return is a very simple message. It's two words. God says, trust me. Trust me me. And that is probably the most difficult thing to do in the moment of waiting, is to trust God. The most faith-filled response that we can have is to see our circumstances as difficult and unfinished as they might be, 
In the words of Pastor Andy Stanley, his attention to be managed and know that God will someday solve the problems that we cannot solve. And so until then, we wait and we trust. We know this in small ways. When you get stuck behind a slow driver, isn't the best thing to do to slow down and trust that you're going to get there? (laughs) To take a deep breath That's why God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord. John is the one that that God said he would send all the way back in the days of Malachi through the words of Malachi. And the message that John the Baptist shares to prepare the world for Jesus is a simple one. He says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent always comes across as harsh, but another way to say repent is to say trust. Stop trusting anything else. Let go of what you've trusted instead and turn around and trust God because help is on the way. And if you've been following through with us, you know that the help that's on the way is the same help that was expressed through the rescue of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt by speaking words through a burning bush. That help is on the way. The help that came to to Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi when they lost their husbands and everything they thought about their future, that help is on the way. The help that came to Elijah in the form of fire that comes down from heaven or in a still small voice, that help is on the way. And what I want you to know, if you're in a season of waiting, is that that help is available to you and to me too as well. And if we want to experience it, we need to trust. We know that it's easier to not trust. It's easier to get angry, to complain, to take matters into our own hands. That's what we do when we're caught behind the slow driver. It's also what Israel would do. As these people went back to Jerusalem, that's what they were doing in the time of Malachi, even as they were rebuilding everything. Verse 2 in chapter 3 says this, Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. The Levites were the priests in the temple. They were corrupt. They took matters into their own hands. God is going to turn those people back to him. Verse 3 continues, Then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness and The offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. His people had lost their faith and trust in God. And so in a very practical way, they stopped trusting God with their offerings, with their money. But Malachi says a day is coming where people are going to trust God again because they're going to see that he is coming to bring them back to him. It's going to look like a trial. Verse 5. So I will come to put you on trial. And that sounds harsh and terrible until you see what God is coming to put on trial. He says, I will be quick to testify against you? No. Against the sorcerers, the adulterers, and the perjurers, those who who communicate empty wisdom and cliches that don't help anyone. 
Those who say that lying and cheating somehow fixes things. The defrauders and the laborers who who defraud against the laborers their wages. Those who steal. Those who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. Those who take advantage of others. But do not fear me, says the Lord. It's a complicated passage, but if you look at any of these things... They're all things we grab hold of when we don't trust God instead. Have you ever lied? If I asked you to raise your hand and you didn't raise your hand, you'd be lying. (laughs) But you know what you're doing when you're lying and we've all done it? We're not trusting the truth. We're not trusting God. We're grabbing hold of something other than him. And so God promises to the prophet Malachi that he's going to put on trial all of the other things that we grab hold of instead. The wisdom of the world instead of the wisdom of his truth. The wisdom of our lies instead of the wisdom of the truth that comes to him and from him. To fear the Lord is to trust him. And there's a day coming, says Malachi, where all of the alternatives we grab hold of will be put to shame. And the reason why, verse 6, is he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now, are they broken at this point in their history? Absolutely. Do they have questions? Are they exhausted? No doubt. But they're alive. They've survived. And God says to them, my promises that I have made to you from the very beginning are still true. Look around. You are not destroyed. Your people are not destroyed. I am not finished doing the work through you I promised to do yet. Verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from the decrees, from my decrees, and you have not kept them. Return to me, And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And the simple answer to that question is two words. Say it with me. Trust me. Trust me. And don't beat yourself up if you're convicted right now and you're like, oh my goodness, I need to trust God. I don't trust God. Guess what? If we all raised our hands, we would all agree that every single day we have to choose this. Over and over again. How do we return to God? Trust me and wait. For the people that Malachi speaks to, it's going to be another 400 years, but God is going to come. And while 400 years may feel like an incredible amount of time, when God comes, he's going to bring to them something far beyond what they ever could have hoped or imagined, the gift of eternal life. See, what they wanted when they were questioning whether God was still with them was a temple and a kingdom. They wanted to go back to the way it used to be or the way they thought that it used to be. And yet on Christmas, God would literally bring heaven down to earth. And for anybody who's been desperately waiting for the things that only God can bring, it is worth the wait. And I'll leave you with this story that I shared a number of years ago. It's about a family. They lived just a few miles down from, from where I grew up, and they had experienced a, a devastating house fire when I was just like seven or eight years old. And as, as part of that tragedy, they lost the life of their six-year-old son. He had hid in a closet, and, and he passed away before the firefighters were able to reach him. And 
And I was only, again, I was only like seven or eight, so there's a lot of things I don't remember, but I do remember the community gathering around this family. I remember uh, people collecting money. I remember the siblings and the friends that, that mourned in the halls of our small elementary school after this happened. And, and, I, and I remember driving by the home that had burned down in the days and months to follow. And, and I can almost picture the, the charred walls and the broken windows and the melted siding. And eventually... I remember how those things turned into dumpsters and particle board, and then that was followed by construction crews. And so finally, a brand new house stood in the same place, on the same foundation as the house before. If I remember right, the only thing that remained from the original house was the stone chimney that traveled along the front of the house. On the outside of the house, everything looked fine. If I told you the road, you could go drive there today, and my guess is you'd be hard-pressed to have any clue which house that I'm talking to or talking about. But, but I don't have to tell you that when that family moved back in, all that was lost was not yet found. Friends, that's what happened when Israel came back to Jerusalem. They rebuilt everything, but everything was not yet found. And so when I think back about that family, and I think about the gospel... And I think about what God promised to do in Jesus. I realize God did not come back to rebuild the house. He came to save the son. He came to save the son. And that's why on Christmas, it's not about the presence under the tree. It's about the presence of God. It's about the true story that God sent his only son to be born in a manger so that he could die on the cross so that he might conquer death. And that might sound like the same story you hear every single week you come to church, but I'll tell you it matters when you're waiting to be reunited with our loved ones that have gone before us, and it will matter when we cross over that threshold into eternity as well. He sent his son to conquer death that we might be assured that while we wait, there is a day coming where we will be welcomed home into a heaven that is a house with many rooms a house that cannot be destroyed by fire or anything else. And you know what else is true about that home in heaven? There's no waiting. All that's been lost will be found in him forever. And until then, we listen for the voice of the messenger that has been sent to prepare the way for God himself as God says to you and to me, trust me. Because my guess, as I look out at each and every one of you, is we probably all look a little bit like that house that burned down and was rebuilt. I mean, we're all fixed up. We got fixed up to come to church this morning. But on the inside, there's places that have been burned in us, places that are still empty that you're waiting for God to fulfill. I know I am. Maybe for you, it's, it's a healing that you're still holding out hope for. Maybe it's a job that hasn't come yet or a relationship that's broken, a child that's been lost or a child that hasn't yet been born, a dream that has yet to come true. And so I'll say it one last time. I don't like waiting any more than anybody else does. But the Apostle Paul says that because Jesus came the first time and because he's coming back, because of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4, we are hard-pressed in life on every side, 
but it doesn't crush us. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but never destroyed. Because Christmas is the same message for us as the message of Malachi was for them 2,400 years ago. God does not change. And when we trust him, he draws us back to himself. Think about that place where you're still waiting and ask God's presence to instill a hope in you that he's not finished yet as we watch. Stepping through the shadows of uncertainty, bending under life's crushing blow, searching for hope against the formless void of a world emptied of light. We travel and yearn. We walk and pray. We search the sky for signs, scan the horizon for redemption, study the shadows for the light that casts them, but only silence and darkness. Then the Spirit of God moves against the dark waters of his people's despair, bends his knee toward the world that abandoned him long ago. He sees the formless and empty state of his creation. He hovers over the hopeless and helpless. Now is the time. It's finally time to strike the serpent. God speaks light again like he spoke it before. The word of God becomes flesh. Underneath a bright star of hope, underneath the radiant breath of God, underneath 400 years of silence, the bright morning star dawns. The people who walk in darkness see the great light. The light shines on those who live in the land of deep darkness. The mighty king we were promised has arrived in a throne made of sticks, in a manger of humility, he has come.